0: On this episode of the Culture Pop Podcast, we talk about my vacation in Puerto Rico and what Mofungo is. Plus, from the series Winning Time on HBO about the rise of the Showtime Lakers, Dr. Solomon Hughes joins us. He's playing Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Don't forget, you can subscribe to the Culture Pop Podcast on Apple, Spotify, and at stevemason.com. And don't forget to leave us a rating and a review. The Culture Pop Podcast is brought to you by the law offices of Jacob M. Ronnie.
1: Accident Jacob. Hey
0: everybody! Welcome to the Culture Pop podcast. I'm Steve Mason, along with Sue Kalinski. Sue, I'm just back from vacation. I'm feeling wired. I'm feeling excited. I'm feeling raring to go. You know what I'm saying? I know what you're saying. You look—you're uh, glowing. Thank you. Yes, that's a, its the light here. But yeah, yeah, totally. It is like glowing.
2: Well, I saw—I saw some uh, photos that you had posted and. It was, I guess, the day of the wedding that you went to. Yeah. And you were wearing a beautiful, beautiful blue, like a teal blue, I guess you would call it. I don't know. Uh, just a beautiful blue suit and your white hair. And the and, and the background, uh, there was water, beautiful water in the background. Yeah, yeah. And uh, God, it just looked
0: amazing. It was a totally stunning wedding. I mean, when I sat down there, I was like, we're, we're basically overlooking the Atlantic. Um, and the uh, the the bride, she uh, she looked great. Uh, they had the wedding because the full moon was that night, which I mm-hmm. thought was kind of a cool idea. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, there were more speeches than I can remember at a wedding. I mean, apparently now everybody gives a speech. <laughs> you know, the the flower girl gave a speech at this thing. Wow. Uh, but I mean, it's, you know, it's a once in a lifetime thing. So and oh, Puerto cool. Rico. Have you been to Puerto Rico? I have. It's beautiful. It's gorgeous. Did you do stand up there? I did. Where at? In San Juan? I, um, I'm
2: trying to think where it was. I don't know if I don't think it was in San Juan. It was on some military base. I forget. But I went to Tortola um, many, many years ago. And that's British Virgin Islands, which is really close to Puerto Rico. And we went to Puerto Rico. I think we flew into Puerto Rico and then went to the other uh, spot. But but El San Juan, I mean, it is it's it's actually the vacation spot that my parents used to go to all the time. When is I that was right?
0: Oh, yeah. wow. Yeah. Yeah. See, we went to the when I was back on the East Coast, when I was living in Ohio or living in uh, New York, we would go to the Caribbean side. Living in LA, the Caribbean side is a long ass way. I mean, Miami's like five hours, and then Puerto Rico is another two hours away from that. So it's a long hump to get to Puerto Rico. But it, but it was. Be- do you what? Do you know what mofongo is? I don't. Okay, so this is their one of their big national dishes. They take plantains and they uh, they cook them and then they mash them. Into almost like mashed potatoes. Okay. Mm -hmm. Then they, they turn them into almost like a big croquette kind of thing. Uh, and they stuff shrimp or they stuff chicken or they stuff tri-tip up inside of it. So you're basically digging through the, uh, mashed plantains to get to, uh, the, the protein inside. They're delicious. Absolutely delicious. Hmm. Is that your new new favorite food? One of my favorite. I don't know how to make plantains at the house. (laughs) Hey, honey, can you pick up some plantains? That just doesn't happen. Practice, practice, practice. And the other thing about Puerto Rico, they claim, and we went to the actual place, they claim that they invented the pina colada. (laughs) You think they're lying? Well, I mean, why there? (laughs) I mean, how do we actually know? How do we verify? It's like the Caesar salad. Do you know where the Caesar salad was supposedly invented? Well, you would think in Rome. Mexico, Mexico huh. claims. The, well, the it was it was salad. a Caesar salad. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So uh, yeah, but they claim the the uh, and I drank more than I've drank on a trip in a long time. I mean, um, I. I was drinking old fashions and I was drinking uh, mojitos and I was mixing alcohol sangrias. And I was like all over the board. Just give me a different drink. Give me a different drink. I was like rifling through the special drinks menu like crazy.
2: Now, what's the recreational weed situation there?
0: I will just say that I ate some. Oh, you could get them there or you brought stuff. I got some there. Oh, OK. Uh, I have a friend who has got a and, and it's it's legal in uh, in Puerto Rico, but I don't I don't like to travel with it. But he had it there. So I was able to edibilize a little bit, as I like to call it, edibilize, edibilize, which I think is going to become a thing. Edibilizing is going to be a thing
2: because animalize. Isn't that um, what is um that? The um it's like a way that they uh, do a, a ham like. A, oh, God, what's what the, the chain that makes the. um. Oh, God, my brain. Oh, God, your brain. It really part, is. And
0: it's early. It's the crack of 1030. It's and- the crack of
2: 1030. I'm oh, going to be 65 God. next month. <laughs> it's just it's just getting worse and worse. I can't tell you how many times I have to reach for my phone and look up something on Google. Can, can it's I like, tell you? I mean, every conversation I have, like, who's <laughs> the guy who did the thing? Oh, my God. Oh my <laughs> you know, it's so
0: funny. Barbara. My mom and not stepdad Leo have started taking Nereva mm-hmm. uh, because for their brains and it's a supplement. I don't really necessarily believe in it, but whatever. Um, and my mom says, well, we're taking that stuff for our brains now, for our memory. Um, and, and I said, which one? And she said, Leo, what's that <laughs> called? <laughs>
2: Oh, that's hysterical!
0: Signs that the pill may not be working. Signs it may not be working. Well, I'm excited. You've been watching Winning Time, right? Yes, I'm. I'm all caught up. Ah, oh, it's such a good show. Um, and uh, Winning Time is from executive producer Adam McKay. Uh, it's uh, on HBO right now. It is the zeitgeist, as I like to say. And joining us right now is the actor who plays Kareem Abdul Jabbar. Dr. Solomon Hughes is here. Solomon Hughes, thank you very much for coming on. How are you, man?
1: Uh, Thank you for having me on.
0: So, you know, the one thing about sports movies, and I I work for ESPN, do a, a daily talk show on ESPN. The one thing about sports movies that is the toughest thing to nail is the actors getting the athlete part right. It's really, I mean, there are there are so many instances where it yeah. was such a good movie, except that guy didn't look like he could really hit a home run. You know what I'm saying? And you guys have really nailed that because your basketball background, right?
1: Yeah, you know that that is that did help for sure. And I, and I agree with you, Steve. I'm like when I think back on like my favorite sports movies, um, I feel like you know I, I could be wrong about this, but I feel like football, like collisions are there's there's an authenticity to collisions where you can make that look really a well. with basketball uh in particular you're talking about a a a game that can be very graceful very artistic and so uh we definitely had our work cut up cut out for us especially when we're talking about the players that we are trying to emulate right literally the, some of the greatest in the history of the game. And so um, it did help that I had played some basketball when I was in college. I actually, I, I shot a jump hook, which essentially is like a, a poor man's version of the sky hook Or sure. instead of going off one, I jumped off two. Um, and I was pretty su- successful at that, but all in all, in addition to having played years ago, you know, we H or production, Adam McKay, they, they surrounded us with um, great basketball minds Edon Robin, who was trained a number of people uh, who have played in the NBA was pretty much on set every single day, like leading the charge with the trainings, et cetera. And then we also had ample time because we shot the pilot in 2019 and then we had the break because of COVID. So I think it even gave more time for a lot of us to really up our game so that like, to your point, we, 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 we honored the incredible talent that the, that these players were.
2: So since you're playing days, because you played in college and yeah, Played with the Harlem Globe Trotters, which I want to talk about, <laughs> sure. also. But have you been? Have you been keeping up with basketball all these years? Do you still play?
1: No. So the, the, it, it, it's funny when I so my my last year in college was two thousand two, and then I played for about three or four years professionally. Um, but when I walked away from the game, I walked, I I ran away from the game. Like, I think, I think that I was one of those tall guys that had some talent and really liked basketball, but didn't necessarily love it. Like I liked that it opened some doors for me. I I was grateful for the fact that I was able to play in college, et cetera. But when I walked, when I got away from it, I just like left it. And so when, (laughs) when I got, when the casting call came and, and, uh, and I got the part, I mean, I, I went into like a, a pretty strict regimen to really try to get back in, into playing. So, yeah.
0: How did they find you? Because they needed they needed a guy who was very tall, yeah. had basketball skills, uh, and could pull off Kareem. How I, I my understanding is there was like a nationwide search to find yeah. the right guy. Were you? Is that pretty much the way it went?
1: That's pretty much yeah. I mean the the what happened was a casting agent had connected with a former college teammate of mine who lives in the Netherlands so this was a, a global search uh, technically and he um, wasn't interested in auditioning but he suggested that the casting agent uh, reach out to me and so yeah when I got the the um, uh, audition opportunity to do the self tape I mean I was I tell people I was just enthusiastic and, and grateful just to get the opportunity to audition because I'd always been fascinated with this space and 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 even as far as going i went as far as meeting with a talent agent right after i graduated from college just because i was a huge fan of film and tv and and acting and and so i was just thrilled to get an opportunity to audition and um and so i did the self-tape and then they flew me down for an in-person in la and uh they put me through they put me through the ringer it was it was a rigorous in-person audition for sure and i found out that i got the part a week later
0: did i to interrupt did you have to do basketball? No, stuff there's no, at
1: the audition. No, there was no basketball <laughs> in the wow. audition. And I actually I joke that because I had been so far away from the game that if there had been some basketball, I'm not sure I would have got the part. <laughs> huh? Wow. Huh?
2: So was act? Did had you acted before? I mean, this is this this is your debut. Yeah, this is my professionally.
1: First, yeah, this is my first professional acting gig. Um, but no, I, I so I never professionally acted. I mean, I you know I done like skits and stuff like that in college. I mean, I grew up in a family where. Uh, So I'm I'm related to a number of people who are are artists, who are performers. Um, And Ethel Ayler, who portrayed uh, Claire Huxtable's grandmother, or sorry, Claire Huxtable's mother on the Cosby Show is is a relative. And so growing up, even though I never got to meet her, my mom would always say, because we watched the Cosby Show religiously, she's like, that's a relative, that's a relative. And so, you know, just have, I feel like I always was fascinated, had this family connection, Um, but, you know, being tall, being athletic and having some talent, um, I was like shepherded into just the athletic, into the athletic route.
0: So, so I uh, have the privilege of knowing Kareem pretty well, uh, have worked with him a lot over the years. And yeah. the one thing we brought him out, I, I own theaters, movie theaters out in Palm Springs, and he had a movie called on the shoulders of giants that he made, which is a phenomenal movie. And we did a screening and we had Kareem out there. And the one thing I noticed about Kareem is that he's so tall Um. He is constantly, people are constantly looking at him that there's, and there's an awkwardness that comes with that. It's hard to be the center of attention in every room that you (laughs) go into. Did you get sort of that as, as part of your performance, as part of your thought process?
1: Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, I, I'm six ten, and so I definitely get stared at. And I would say I'm, I'm sure not as much as as Kareem. Like to your point, Steve. I mean, not only is he tall, he's like very recognizable, and he's obviously been such a public figure, like on a global scale. So, um. But yeah, I mean, I, I joke like. When I'm going to the grocery store just to get eggs, I, it's like it's um I'm, I'm in it's inevitable that I'm they're going to get stared at or interrogated around like why I'm not playing in the NBA right now. So <laughs> there is like there is absolutely the, the attention that comes with that and the annoyance for sure, right? Because you 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 want people to see past the superficial physical stuff, right? Um, but I think it's 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 often the case that someone's either guessing my height or 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 or, or telling me what they would have done with my height, right? So there's always the, like. So, oh, there's always the, like the inevitable conversation about how I'm, I'm disappointing somebody with my life trajectory. So.
2: Yeah, I'm sure. Um, Cause I know every time I see someone who's really tall, the first thing I think of you play basketball, <laughs> right. I mean, you would never ask anything else. Like you would never say to someone, are you a dentist?
0: <laughs> right. right. <laughs> so yeah. I, I, again, Kareem is such an interesting character. I've interviewed him so many times over the years and he is, Unlike Magic, who's who's got this very warm, exudes this sort of happiness that goes with being Magic, Kareem is much more uh, intellectual. I think that's the best way to describe him is that... He's an intellectual. Tell me about the
1: research you did on Kareem to play this role. Yeah. So, the most rewarding research project that I've ever engaged in, by far. Um, But, you know, I grew up in Southern California and I grew up an hour outside of LA in Riverside. And so, I was a huge fan of the Lakers and, in particular, a fan of Kareem's um, just for everything that he stood for. You know, my dad uh, was an enormous fan of Kareem's and he really made sure that his kids, we paid close attention to him. So, his autobiography, Giant Steps, is one of the first big books that I read growing up, right alongside the autobiography of Malcolm X. I think that was Colin Powell wrote a book as well, and I, so like the like cream was like front and center for me in terms of figures, like like uh, figures in society historically, et cetera. Um, and so, and then in addition to just kind of following along his, just watching his trajectory as I've grown up, it was fun to kind of just not kind of to really just reimmerse myself in. And so much of the things that things that he's written about himself, so many of the interviews that he's done. I mean, there's uh, we benefit from being in the in the YouTube age, right, where you can find game footage, where you can find interviews, um, and you know, I, I got pretty good at changing up the search terms in YouTube to find different things. You know, so um, it was you know. It, but in addition to like learning about him, I wanted to know about the things that inspired him, the things that um were important to him so I I've been a, a fan of jazz music for for most of my life and it was really really fun to just dive back into that genre and just literally play it all day long you know read about the different artists and just in particular the artists that really he that were that he was inspired by I mean just the fact that he knew Thelonious Monk when he was coming like it's just yeah just such a fascinating fascinating um, uh, fun fact and you know, uh Robin DG Kelly, so Lisa Gay Hamilton, who portrays Magic Johnson's mother in the show, her husband, Robin D.G. Kelly, who's a professor at UCLA historian, wrote an incredible book about Thelonious Monk. And, it, and I actually felt like just learning about him. There's there's some similarities and just, you know, I think I think they're both very original, right? And 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 there's a lot of perceptions that are put on them. But I think, you know, to your point, Steve, you know, Kareem has been in the spotlight since from day one. You know, there's no hiding, right? And and I and I, you know, for for, for for as as annoying a, a, I'm sure as that has been for him, I just really admire the way he's used his platform to speak out for the oppressed. Just you know to to engage in these conversations that we need to be having about how to be better humans, et etc.
2: So, being that this was, I want to just go back a little bit to uh, being your first role, um, yeah. working with Adam McKay, who has a very unconventional style um, you know, a lot of like talking to the camera, yeah. um, was that challenging to do?
1: Yeah. So breaking the fourth wall. So I, I, there's, I think there's like one time where I kind of do it. I don't really dialogue, but I acknowledge the camera in, in a future, in a future scene, if they still keep it, we'll see if they, what, what happens on the editing floor. But, um, you know, I, 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 the other thing I tell people is when I, when I got the, um, when I learned about the project, I was like, I am such an Adam McKay fan. I will serve coffee on the set. Are you kidding me, like <laughs> audition? Absolutely. So, you know, when I, when I flew down to LA to do the in-person audition, you know, uh, I, I was just so excited to meet him. You know, I, I remember like walking in the room and just looking at him, like taking it in. And I said to him after the audition, I was like, you know, no matter what happens, I'm just a huge fan of what you contribute to this universe. I love your style. I love just how you, yeah, you don't, yeah. You just, how, how authentic you try to make your, your, your projects. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think he's brilliant. You know, I think he he's one of those people that I just, I really respect because he does the work. He, he studies, right? He knows, he just knows so much about the game of basketball, obviously the genre of film and TV. Um, so it, yeah, gosh, it was just so, so much fun uh, working with him and you know, shooting the pilot, right? That's the first time I'd ever been in front of a camera and he was directing that episode. And so I tell people, you know, as terrifying as it was, I felt like I could not have had a better um, a better group of, 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 a of, of tour guides. So it says Adam, uh, Max Bornstein, Rodney Barnes, Jim Hecht. So, so
0: I, uh, I work for the station that is the home of the Los Angeles Lakers, the, uh, oh. the flagship radio station. Yeah. And so I, have I have been told by multiple people and I believe it to be true, uh, that the, uh, the bus family, um, magic, I have not heard Kareem say anything, but they're, they're less than thrilled. With the documentary um have you heard the same thing, and how does that make you feel
1: yeah you know i've 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 heard different things but i've i i know i heard that you know somebody asked magic if you know what his thoughts were if he was excited to see the show and i and and he, and I, I i it's i don't know that i've seen it, but i heard that he said no um and then uh I, you know i i i i feel like i've heard different things around what kareem has said i would just say i feel like that's a you know i feel like I know that from Adam McKay down, like from the producers to the writers, it's coming from the perspective of people who really admire what this moment, what, what these people did for the way we see sports, right? I mean, like they literally changed the way we view basketball. Um, the fact that it's a global game now, the fact that uh, uh, LeBron James can tweet something that starts a geopolitical conversation, right? It's, it's just, it's, I think it's, I'm grateful to, to be a part of this project because I feel like I've learned so much more about just the beginnings of just this marriage of sports and entertainment. And so I can only imagine what it would feel like to have someone write a, you know, a show about you or someone to portray you. Um, but but what, what I do know is like, especially for me, this is coming from the pers- this is coming from the place of like, man, I have so much admiration for Kareem. I have so much uh, just so much of how he has lived his life has inspired me, like literally me like like stepping into this, this, this space, right. Which is, it's, I think it's part of it's, 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 it is a result of just watching someone like him who's refused to be boxed into one dimension, right. He's so much more than just an incredible basketball player, right. He's a, he's an intellectual, he's an activist, et cetera. And so, so yeah. So yeah, I think, you know, I, my, my hope is that when, when it's all said and done, they'll, they'll, they'll understand that this was coming from, the coming from fans who just really admire how much they've contributed to, to, to the world.
2: Well, I think it's always tricky when you're doing uh, a story that's based on, on facts, you know, and, uh, and then you're embellishing and then you're, there's a disclaimer, you know, we've changed this a little, we changed that a little. And then maybe you're highlighting some things about what happened in this person's life and maybe, maybe blowing it up a little bit more than than it actually happened.
0: Yeah, so but, I, I, but to, to Sue's point, I mean, I know Jerry West and uh, Jerry West is a surly son of a gun. I mean, he's he's he has been a, I'll tell you a Jerry West story. So I was doing the uh, Lakers Celebrity Golf Tournament um, at uh, Riviera and we were interviewing people as they came off the course. And we had heard that Jerry West had a hole in one on seven. So we are we figure okay Jerry's going to be all excited um and so he walks up to uh, to do the show and we are getting ready to go on and I said congratulations on the hole in 1 he said I missed that fucking putt at 17 <laughs> it's like he 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 is that competitive but they did carry it to uh, a level where I don't think necessarily I there, there's a, for me, there's a cartoon element about it. Jerry is Jerry, uh, but there's, a, there's that element to it. And I, I sympathize, I guess, you know, part of it is when somebody writes a book about themselves um, it's not necessarily the true story you're getting their story. Right. right. And there are three sides to everyone. There's like, <laughs> there's, there's my story, there's uh, your version. And then there's the the truth. And I think there's an element of that going on here, where uh, there is uh, there's always there's always truth in it, but it's carried to um, an exaggerated point. If you know what I'm saying.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I I I I didn't mean to. You were about to say something, but my what I what I when I think of shows like this, I think of when someone does a caricature of somebody. Mm -hmm. They take that one. one part of their face that one part of their face and they exaggerate it and it's like when people like make fun of me or they do an impression of me i'll you know you you, i look at them and say do i really sound like that (laughs) you know because i know i don't but they're but they are exaggerating
1: it yeah yeah i mean i th- I think like i think ultimately anybody who i think anybody who watches this show and 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 gets sanctimonious about like oh i would never do that or i would never act like that, i feel like they're the delusional ones right i feel yes. like there's i mean th- this is a story about humans who are in the midst of like i mean just hollywood basketball right and they're pursuing excellence every day at at, at the most intense pitch right and the fact that like and 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 so the the idea of like what that would do to you how you would respond right i feel like anybody the real comedy is the people who watch it and be like oh i i, I would never respond like that i would like that's 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 the, that's the delusional comic comedic part right um so yeah i mean i feel like uh you know for me man this journey honestly i actually this journey has Really just made me admire them more because when you think of, I mean, there was so much resistance to having a professional sports team in Las Vegas, right? Because of the distraction, right? Yeah. This was a professional sports team essentially in Hollywood, right? With a nightclub in the arena. Yep. They turned out five championships. Like, what? Like, like, are you kidding me? Like, this is like Everest- ever like type resilience, right. And reserve. And so I feel like, you know, for me it's, it's, it's made me even more of a a fan of of an admirer of these people. Yeah. I
0: mean, for me, it's, you know, if you take a step back and you just look at it and this is a show by the way, that you don't necessarily have to know the history. We happen to know the history of Jerry West and Bill Sharman and Jerry bus and the way Jeannie bus came up and all that stuff. We know all that stuff, but if you're just a regular rank and file TV viewer like my mom uh, out in Palms. my mom is totally eating up the show and he knows no, she knows nothing about the the basketball or the history of it because I think it comes across in the end like a love letter to the era and a love letter to that time and that yeah. sort of magic of everything coming together, right? I think that's so great. I think that's a great point. You know, it's,
1: you think it's Jerry Buss's first year as an owner. It's Magic Johnson's first year in the league, right? It's Kareem is kind of at this, this turning point, right? Where he's, he's been doing this game for so long and he's just been dominating at such a high level. And then, you know, then you get this, these, these new coaches. So, you know, how humans navigate change, right. When, especially when it's change that's, that is surveilled at such a high level, that's critiqued at such a high level. I think it's, yeah, I feel like it's, it's you know, it, it, part of the genius of Adam McKay. You know?
2: Yeah, and not, you know, who knows how accurate, you know, some of the dialogue is, but the writing mm-hmm. is just phenomenal. <laughs> so good. It's so and good, it's so. like, it's like every, every other line, like there was something on the last episode where uh, 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 Jerry Buss was, you know, pissed off about, Jerry West leaving at this like pivotal moment. And he said, I'm a pubic hair away from training camp. (laughs) It's like, Oh my God. It was just, and, and, you know, you know, you know, talk about the ultimate locker room talk. I mean, it's, uh, the dialogue is just brilliant.
1: Yeah, for sure. You know, I, yeah, that's the other thing that I really love about this project. And I'm excited for people to experience is, I feel like the 80s is one of those decades that's just overlooked, right? And there was a lot happening in the 80s. I mean, you think about the 80s was like the precursor to the L.A. riots, right? And so, I mean, obviously, there was much more history that led to that. But I mean, L.A. literally exploded, yep. you know, at the beginning of the 90s. And so I feel like there is, you know, in terms of the aut- authenticity around sexism, racism, etc., class, it's just uh, the 80s is... I feel like, you know, my, my personal theory is we kind of got lulled to sleep because we had an actor as president yeah. who, you know, made you think everything's okay, right? But there's, there, there was just so much happening under the surface. So,
0: yeah. Uh, so you said in this space a couple of times, this is your first experience really yeah. in this space. Um, what is your space now? And do you think now you've, you've
1: kind of got the, got the bug? I definitely have the bug. Oh, my. Listen, I got the bug when I was. I, I feel like I've had the bug, right? But just doing the self tape, and so I, I had the, the the privilege of of reading with a former college teammate of mine, who's been acting for twenty years and has had a really successful career. He was a lead in the Tyler Perry film Robbie Jones. He was a lead in the film with Jim Gaffigan that came out right before uh, COVID. And uh, just you know, going through the reps with him, I was like, gosh, this is so much fun. And then getting the job. And then going through the reps and be, you know, it's I, what I what I tell people like it's one of the most spiritual things I've ever experienced. Acting for sure, because you, I mean, you literally have to be locked in to another human, right? You know, number one, it, with in terms of you the character you're portraying, you really have to develop empathy. If you don't, I mean, I develop, I don't know if "develop" is the right word, but like you have to, like you you have to lead with empathy, right? Yeah, and you. Uh, it's it's you know, it, it, i feel like it's as close to walking in somebody else's shoes as i've ever experienced right and there's something that's just so enlightening and liberating about that and then to be you know in a room where you're blocking off everything that's happening around you and you're really diving into this moment with another human i i, I tell people like especially in this smartphone age where it's so easy to just you know go go inside um yourself like acting. Oh my gosh. It's just been such a rewarding, again, equally terrifying for sure, but it's just like, I I have the bug and then some, so. Nice. Well, listen, uh, the show is
0: fantastic. Uh, it's called winning time. It is on HBO on Sunday nights. We're hanging on every single episode. Uh, Solomon, thank you very much for coming on, man. We really appreciate it. Uh, thanks for having me. I enjoyed
1: this conversation.
0: And there is Dr. Solomon Hughes, he's a PhD and now he is an actor and he has got the bug. And so, uh, God bless him. God bless those with the bug. It is a very tough one to deal with. The life of an actor is not easy.
2: It's not. And, uh, just have to say he's our first doctor.
0: Is he our, no, we had Dr. Anne Ramoy. Oh,
2: Dr. Anne Ramoy. We had.
0: Okay. All right. Yeah. So I, so second doctor. First boy doctor. <laughs> First boy doctor. You know, the thing about, and I, I know this personally, the the Bus family and, you know, I know all those guys really well. They don't like this show. I, I bet they don't. And the reality is that your own story, and they're working on multiple projects. Uh, there's a series, TV series with Mindy Kaling about Jeannie Bus and her friendship with Linda Bus and running a, a professional sports franchise. Uh, there's a documentary that's over this era where they've got all kinds of unseen footage and all that stuff. It's one thing to tell your own story. Sometimes the story that's told from the outside is actually closer to the truth, if you know what I'm saying.
2: Absolutely. And I think that's why they don't like it. Like yes. I could imagine that Magic hates this, I, yes. especially that last episode. Yeah. I mean, it's, and you know, it, Jerry it,
0: West hates it.
2: Oh, totally. I mean, you even though there are certain things that you have heard about magic with his sexual dalliances, you know, um, he doesn't come across as a very likable guy, you know, um, in in that particular episode.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, that's just the reality of it. And, 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 and I mean, and look, is, it, it, hearing and it's also about common, it is and and one thing. Yeah, one thing, yeah, but seeing it is something. Sure, else.
2: and you know, I don't know. I mean, maybe coming from a woman's point of view and knowing about he and Cookie, and and you know, he's trying to woo her back in, and meanwhile, he's like stopping everybody in town. You know, it's um,
0: yeah, uh, but I knew those things about him. Yeah, yeah, we we've known those things. It's just right. like seeing him. But uh, but you know, you like time. you
2: like you know, Jeannie. Um, I I don't know her. Um, I know very little about her actually. And what surprises me, and, and you tell me how accurate it is, she, as a younger woman, she just seemed very meek to me. And, you know, it, it, it's, you know what I mean? She, well,
0: she I just, think she was at that point in the show we're looking at, where we are, I think she was only like 21 or 22 years old. Okay,
2: okay. okay. So
0: she's kind of growing into the biz because she's a powerhouse now. Oh, there I are, know. There a so few women seems... in sports who are as powerful as as Jeannie Buss is. Right, right, right. So it just seemed contrary to
2: what I perceive her to be today. And I know she was young, but just her the, the, her overall persona just it's like, oh, God, I would never ever think that Jeannie would have been like that even at 21.
1: Yeah. So, yeah.
0: I, I am assuming and I've heard that she kind of grows into herself in terms of a character. I heard that it gets better for Jerry West. Um, I'm excited to see more basketball. I'm excited to see what Solomon looks like as Kareem and how his sky hook is. He had the jump hook, but he had to develop the sky hook for this mm-hmm. thing to play Kareem mm-hmm. uh, and the way he plays Kareem. And uh, Kareem, you know, Kareem has always been very uh, surly. He is uh, chilly. Where magic is warm, Kareem is chilly. Mm-hmm. Um, and mm-hmm. that, I'm not saying that's good or bad. It's just they have such a different approach to life and Mm -hmm. um, and it's it'll be interesting to see where the Kareem character actually goes and where the magic character goes as we kind of move into this thing I think it's 10 episodes so we're at the very very beginning I think we're just I think we just watched episode three three yeah so that's where we are and watching the show well Sue this has been great awesome
2: all right well good to be back with you
0: Yep, and uh, we will talk to everybody very soon on the Culture Pop Podcast.